Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Challenging. Thought-provoking. Insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Hey, welcome listeners joining us across the country. Tonight we continue our swim in the deep end of Thessalonians. And let's talk a minute about our daily life. That's what this is about today. People don't watch you on Sundays to see if your faith is real or worth pursuing for themselves. No, they watch you on Monday through Saturday. Is what they see in your life something that they would want in their life? Or will they run from what they see? Let me ask you this. Is your life crazy? Is your life crazy? Is your life amazing? Are you living in dread? Well, I say amazing. People use that word a lot nowadays. That's so popular. It's amazing. Everything is amazing. I remember a time when amazing wasn't be, okay, so someone is holding up food in the back saying, well, this is amazing. This, what I'm eating is amazing. Which probably is, because I swore last week, I said, look, I talked so much about the food this week that I said, well, I'm not going to talk about the food next week. And then the food was awesome. So, amazing. It was amazing. So, let me ask you this. Are you living in dread? Do you endlessly mourn those who have gone before you, those you've lost in your life? Does their death still consume you? My next question is, where is your hope? I know where you left your hope, found it, and I'm going to give it back to you tonight. Hey, speaking of food, our bellies are full, and you don't have to come to the meal if you don't want to. like to eat, you don't like good food, and good belly. If you'd like to come, we start eating at 5, and there's lots and lots of good food that's always brought here. Tonight is no exception. We've got a bunch of different chicken dishes and fresh greens. What do we call them, folks? Fields of green. If you were here, and then there's buffalo chicken, too. There's Is this rhubarb? I swear, I'm going to have to have some of that. I don't, I've never had it, I don't think. Rhubarb, I've made rhubarb jokes. It's good. Everybody's giving me a thumbs up on it. And we have, I know, I know. How's a country boy not have rhubarb? But there's ice cream, which I'm standing right by the ice cream. As far as I'm concerned, it comes in its own container. 
you don't all you need is a spoon, nothing else. It's perfectly portioned for me. Right, John? Okay, hello. We have fun. We are politically incorrect and we cut it straight and go straight to the point. Look, I was black robe regiment before black robe regiment was cool. We use the appropriate and accurate Hebrew words for the characters and places in Scripture. Look, I don't pretend to be Jewish, although I would be proud to be Jewish. By the way, welcome back, my friend uh, Dave Perkins, to uh, to the American soil. We love you here. We're glad you made it back safely from your yet another sojourn. He's a world traveler, isn't he? Just got back from Israel and Jordan and Egypt and all that. Remember, the pens of the Bible were predominantly held by Hebrew people teaching us through their shared sacred struggle and experiences of faith. The Hebrew people, and they are the original people of the land, Haaretz, and of our faith. We are not their origin or even the perfecter of their faith. I say it every week. I say it again. Yeshua is the name in Hebrew for the Lord. It means Yahweh. The Lord is salvation. The English spelling of Yeshua is Joshua, however. When translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus. The English spelling for Jesus is, of course, Jesus. It's like the game of telephone played over 2,000 years. However, I choose to cut the middleman and the thousands of years and just call him by his original and the actual name, Yeshua. Now, big announcement. Remember next Sunday. This is huge. Next Sunday, we will have with us here live, right here, Chris St. Paul, constitutional, she's nationally known. She is out west right now on tour, but she will be here. My good buddy Larry Mio uh, has brought her for a tour in southern Delaware, and he said, hey, we have an extra day. Would you like for her to come up there? And so I contacted her. I know her from uh, my book tour down in Florida. And so her story is amazing. I would encourage you uh, to look up Chris Ann Hall, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E, Paul, she is a constitutional attorney. She's also fluent in Russian. She was a Russian. Um, she did something with the military in Russian. Her husband, who is now a pastor, uh, is also fluent in Russian and, and did a bunch of stuff in the military with that. But she was the constitutional attorney that you may have heard of who lost her job because she was teaching the Constitution to people on her day off in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, imagine that. Well, here's what I'm calling next week, because, you know, next week is Father's Day, right? We're calling it Founding Fathers. Today's going to be good. Next week's going to be awesome. I would encourage you, tell your friends, tell them to come. And if you're far, far away, we have people that come two hours away uh, to join us. But if you're six hours, eight hours, ten hours away around the world, join us here at 530. We'll be live. We'll be live. And I'll tell you this, her Q&A's, are vibrant. So bring your, your questions. She did give you a history of the founding of this country, the faith underpinnings of this country that you will likely have never heard. And she is fire. You're really going to enjoy her. Uh, I'm absolutely confident you're going to enjoy her. Founding Father's Day next Sunday. Also remember tomorrow's coming of faith and politics at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tomorrow I'm going to have on Drago, great American. He's going to give you some stuff that uh, you, uh, you're you going to be surprised to hear. It'll be worth t- tuning into. Uh, and then we're going to continue our series on survival, surviving the coming. I told my son today uh, on the way here, I said, look, I think the election 2016 is going to be a violent one. I think that 
Election Day and the days following that are going to be very challenging days for this country. Here's why I think that. Number one, I believe that if the liberals win, and they win one of several ways, one, Christians just don't get out and vote like we have the past several days. We stay at home and say there's nothing we can do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast a vote for a third party. we got to do it now or never. Now's the time. If we don't do it now, we're just going to blah, 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 blah. Listen, if you want to kiss America goodbye, you want to hand the country back over to the left to totally and completely destroy us, talk that third party crap. Here's an idea. If you're a third party, get into the Republican Party, change it from within. That's my, that's my belief. So the next thing is this. If Christians don't vote, we, we will lose the election. If conservatives who are not Christians don't vote, we will lose the election. And if we are not vigilant polls, we'll lose the election because we know that they steal elections. That's why I think if we win, it will be violent. If we win, I'm hoping for Ted Cruz to be the one. I think he's probably the only one who has the personal fortitude, uh, the, the adherence and love of the Constitution, and the faith in God and the understanding of the number one enemy we face in this country today is Islam. He's the only one that's unafraid to speak freely. From where I sit, he's the guy for me. I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but if you're smart than me, you'll vote that way. I'm just saying. No pressure. We win. On the right, if we win, if conservatives win, I think the left is going to go wild. You see these these uh, fights on the Internet uh, in Baltimore and Chicago, uh, entire black mobs marching down streets. Now, this is no special thing. This This is happening every single day and beating up white people on film and not being arrested. Not only not being arrested, but not being arrested for hate crimes. Good to the goose, good to the gander. I think when we win, there's going to be utter and complete violence. Overturning. You ever see uh, when a when a, a team wins the the championship, football or basketball or whatever? You know, they never do it with golf, right? There's never riots with golf. My guy won. Let's turn over some cars and burn some stuff. Never happens. Never happens at all. Ever. It happens and the cities go wild. That times 100 is what will happen if the, if the Republicans win, no matter who it is. doesn't matter who it is. That's what I believe is going to happen. I also believe that if their team wins, remember the cities turning stuff over, cars, setting things on fire, killing, injuring people. I also believe it's going to happen now. So what I'm saying to you, no matter what, I believe November of 2016 is going to be a very, very violent time. And I say prepare for that. I'm going to teach you how to do that on tomorrow's show. So this is very important. While you have the chance, click on follow or subscribe here at blogtalkradio.com slash the ninja pastor. And if you use Twitter and Facebook, follow us on at the Ninja Pastor, and on Facebook, this is all you do. This is super easy. Sean has made it super easy. Not me, Sean, but the smart Sean. Uh, you go to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. You click on sign up up at the top, and bada boom, bada bing, you're in, and you're going to have notifications and everything. Go over to theninjapastor.com, all new. Pretty awesome, I must say. Uh, my awesome web lady was 
She outdid herself, I think. So I'm excited about it. So let's talk about her daily life. Remember I said a couple of minutes ago, people don't watch you on Sunday to see if your faith is real and worth pursuing for themselves. You ever, you ever know anybody that has, they have something that you really want. You see something. My buddy Jerry from Pennsylvania, we go to the outdoor shows. We like all that stuff. So we went recently and we saw a crossbow called the Kodobo. Remember that when we saw that? And I'm telling you, I was wishing I didn't have a crossbow so I could get that crossbow. Because it, to me, it was so amazing. It was all American made. It was fantastic in its design. Engineered, of course, no offense, Marine Corps people, but it was engineered by a United States Naval Academy graduate, uh, left the Navy as a commander, and he designed this thing from the ground up. What's the best possible crossbow you could build? That's this. So what did I do? I wanted that, so I sold my crossbow. The kid who got my crossbow is happy as can be because it perfectly suits his needs, and it provided funding for my crossbow because I wanted that crossbow. That crossbow was really something special. So I said, he has something that I want because it's so good. Have that. So the question is, now that I have that bow, it's called a Kota bow. He didn't pay me to say that. He's, he makes such a phenomenal product. He deserves in Westchester, Pennsylvania, by the way. Made in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Everything is good, trust me. So the question is, when I have that thing, whatever that thing is, that uh, knowledge, that wisdom, whatever the thing is, the question is, once I have it, will somebody else want that? Well, that's the way it is with their faith. When do people watch you to see if you're a person of faith, when do they watch you? For the Catholics, Catholics go to church, uh, go to Mass. Well, let's see what they do when they go to Mass. No, the people don't watch you when you go to Mass to see how you do with your, with your faith when you're not at Mass, when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're at the grocery, when you're trying to get to somewhere. You're trying to drive somewhere and traffic is crazy. You wave with all your fingers or you're just your angry finger. You know, that's when they're watching you. They're watching you see that. How about when something life-changing happens in your life? People watch you. When you have a severe illness, people watch you. When someone dies in your family, maybe somebody you really, really love, you notice I did a qualifier there. When someone dies in your family, or maybe somebody you really, really love. Hey, man, families are, families are tricky business. But when something horrible happens in your life, they, by the way, hello to Susan in Texas. I said I would give a shout out that one of ours is down deep in Texas, and I'm sure it's still really, really hot because it's Texas. By the way, we need to be, this is something I think is, is worth mentioning here. Um, we need to really be thinking about the people from Texas because they've endured tornadoes, floods. Uh, there are still missing people. You know what's odd? You don't see it on television. How many of you in the last several days, and I don't watch network news, but have seen anything about the floods and the missing people in Texas? The hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars of lost property, lost memories, everything is gone. My good buddy Rick Green 
and Kara Green, and happy birthday, Trey Green, their 19-year-old son. I think he's nine. Is he finally in Jersey 8? I don't know. He graduated college. He's in law school, and I don't know. Who knows? He graduated college at 17, summa cum laude. So who knows how old he is? In human years, he's, I think, 17 or 18. So they're all out there, and Kara and all the kids, Reagan and, and, and just everybody. Everybody's out there. Um, my, my good brother, love that boy. Uh, they're all out there finding, and Cameron, she's, I'm sure she's out there with her cool-looking boots on, trying to help people, wading through water, wading through snakes. You guys heard about this. The, the rattlesnakes, a uh, major problem because they've been forced out of their dry lands uh, up to higher ground where they would n- normally never go. So now people are dealing with deadly rattlesnakes. There's been hundreds of rattlesnake bites, and people have died as a result. But you don't see it on the news. Well, this is typically a very faith-filled part of the country in Texas. So the people who are people of faith, they're being watched by people who aren't believers. How do you react? What do you do? How do you respond to the challenges of life? I'll give you another one. How about when things go well in your life? How about things go well in your life? Do, do you, uh, is your faith a major component of that? Or just, eh, you know, I got a good deal. The lottery went my way. Or do you give testament you provide testimony for your faith in God, that God rescued you when things are bad, and he is lifting you when things are good. I said something before about endlessly mourning those who we've lost, and I, and I want to address that because I don't want to feel anyone's loss. I do a lot of work with the Gold Star families, and, and, I, and so everybody's loss it's powerful. It's a real thing. And we all experience it in different ways. But what I'm referring to is that person who can never, and, and let me, I have a saying, time heals no wounds. You've heard people say time heals all wounds. They're a liar. Time heals no wounds. Because you know what? If I cut my arm right now with my ultra-sharp American knife, if I cut my arm and I just walk around for a week and I don't clean it and I don't bandage it, and I don't do all these different things, that's what's going to happen. Anybody know? I'm going to get an infection. That's right. I'm going to get an infection, and I'm probably going to lose my arm. And if I don't deal with it, we have a doctor here right now. She would, she would, I'm sure, comment and say, hey, hey, you need to get that cleaned up. I can help you with that and get her wire brush out and clean all that stuff. So I'm going to avoid that. So here's the thing. You, you, if time heals no wounds. If you don't do what you do with the wounds, now we do, there's others here, a bunch of us here that do work with Gold Star families, and and it is a process, but you never get over, air quotes, get over the loss. And I'm not saying just get over it. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. Once we experience death as followers of the way, as Christians, once we experience death, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to the loss of your loved one? Where is your hope? I'm not saying that we should uh, uh, 
Well, let me put it this way. I, I have lost people who are very close to me. And all of you in here, I know all of you personally, and I don't know everybody in Radio Land because we have like, I don't know, 12, 15,000 people listening. I don't know everybody yet. I'm working my way through the line. But I know everybody's lost someone important, some very recent, some eight or ten years ago. All of us know what it's like to lose someone we love. Let me ask you this. What if we focus our living years on loving each other in the way God wants us to love each other? What if we did that? What if we focused our hearts on living God's promise in our own life every day? Maybe we stopped worrying so much about how everybody else is living their life, how their hair is cut or not cut, what they wear, what they don't wear, uh, you know, what kind of car they drive, how loud their muffler is, why don't they get that thing fixed. Uh, and everybody's pointing at me. I have a truck that you can hear, that's all. Amen. Ford F-150 rumbles. But what if we stopped worrying for a moment about everybody else and just for a moment stepped away from everybody else and said, let me take a look inward. Let me take a look at who I am and what I am and what I think of other people and how I treat other people, how I respond to other people. What if we live each day as though it was a calling? Remember last week I talked about living your life, your life is your calling. If we did that, we'd realize better the peacefulness that comes from knowing God as our life calling. If we did that, we'd realize better the peaceful resolution that it takes to be followers of the way that unbelievers will end in. A few minutes ago, I talked, I gave you my opinion, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong if it counts. First of all, I hope that conservatives win in 2016. If they don't, we're over. But in fairness, you all should be putting immense pressure on the conservative, air quotes, Congress. That's in, in session. Because you know what? Without pressure from each and every citizen, I'm telling you, it will go the easy way. There are a few there that are unafraid, that aren't trying to win political points, but I'm telling you. I, I described to you just a few minutes ago that I think it's going to be a very violent time in the United States around election time, November of 2016. But there's a sense of peaceful revolution. Decide, stand, and resolve. Decide, resolve, and stand. I talk about that a lot in, in my speaking. You have to decide what you believe, what, what's important to you, what matters to you, before you can ever resolve in any way. You say, look, this is what I believe, but as soon as you're challenged, well... Or as you see folks coming at you that aren't big fans of your type of belief, you skulk back into the corner, you hide, you get out of the line of fire, you try to be invisible. The days are coming where that will not be possible. You will have to say one way or another, are you one of those Christians? Do you believe in the resurrected Christ? And the answer you give determine whether you live or you die, you will need peaceful resolution to both fight as you should fight, we're called, or to die, the last name on your lips, 
Jesus. Well, if you don't believe me, maybe you'll believe Shaul or Paul, the Apostle Paul, Sarah Shaul. Now, brothers, we want you to know the truth about those who have died. Otherwise, you might become sad the way other people do who have nothing to hope for. What an interesting way of putting things. Shaul, or the Apostle Paul, says nothing lightly. He says nothing lightly. He says it exactly how he intends. He wants you to know the truth about those who have died. In other words, where are they? What's their status? Those who have died, those, who have, those we love that have gone before us, we're still alive, they've died. This is the truth about them. Otherwise, you might become sad the way other people do, nothing to hope for. Endless mourning, wailing. There are some cultures who, the more you wail and cry and uh, you know, beat on your chest, the more you love the person. The bigger display you make, the more you love the person. The more hopeless and, and fraught and and just crushed forever in perpetuity. The more that is the case, the more you love the person. And there are other cultures, Japanese cultures is uh, a great example of that. In Japanese culture, there's none of that, screaming and wailing and all that stuff. You know, they had, they had hundreds, like, what is it, 100,000 funerals in Japan. All those people that killed, I mean, it's just absolutely astronomical. Uh, in, and in Indonesia, remember when that big, um, the, uh, the tsunami hit? And they had, they had just funerals every day, hundreds and hundreds of funerals every day. And yet they grieved. And I'm not advocating one way or another, because you know what? If you need to cry, cry. Some folks are seeing on your face, they'll be clapping. Ooh, when you die, hmm, yay, yay, party time. No, it's, it's, uh, it's some people are like it. Some people are real thorn in your side. They're real pain in the rear. But this is saying to these people, look, you, you're acting as though you have no hope. He, they're describing to these new Corinthian followers of the way, listen, you have faith in Hamashiach. You've placed your faith in the Messiah, Yeshua Hamashiach. And because of the Ruach HaKodesh, or the Holy Spirit, you have hope. But they weren't doing that. They, they basically stopped their lives because of this grief, this unending grief, this wailing. I'd like to ask you, how do you view grieving? How do you view, obviously you can't answer now, but, uh, but in your own mind, I want you to think about how you view grieving. There have been some cases where uh, people close to me have passed away. I'll give you an example. Uh, my Uncle Billy and Aunt B. I was a pallbearer. Uh, I had been up for hours and hours and hours, and the day after their funeral, my daughter Lily was born. Upon days, I was devastated. Devastated that he died. You know, devastated that he that I couldn't go and pay respects to this man. I had the utmost in respect and love and admiration for. And after a while, I, I got to thinking. I said, well, wait a second. Now, first of all, he's, he's in heaven. 
He lived a long life, and he would be the first to tell you, don't cry for me, but your Uncle Charles will be all right. And then it kind of, I could almost hear it in his voice, kind of telling me, hey, settle down now. Settle down. Do your crying. I appreciate that. But let's move on. we got life to live. For since in the same way, God, through Yeshua, will take with him those who have died. Now, remember what I, I've said before. This statement alone was enough to get Shaul killed. If for nothing else, by the Jews that had not accepted the Messiah. But also, you know, by the Romans who said, mm, we don't want to talk of this guy still being alive. Because when we kill people, we kill them dead, graveyard dead. We don't want to hear about an empty grave. Oh, okay, if we hear about an empty grave, we're going to talk about how the Jews stole him. Never mind we had a whole guard there. Find how that happened. But this was a huge statement, and, and many, many people died from all the way back to the cross all the way till now. People are still dying. Christians are still dying. Jews are still dying because they say, I serve a risen Lord. Did Christ, did he rise again? Amen. Is Christ alive? Yes or no? If you said yes, it meant death to you in that time. If you were that affirmative, moments later, you'd be dead. Unless you had an AR with a full magazine. I'm just saying. I'm working, the Bible says, work till he comes. I pray the, the gun will work till, gun will work till I run out. Help me, Lord. You tested the validity of the doctrine of redemption and eternal life right then and there. If you said yes so affirmatively, you were going to test your doctrine because your doctrine is, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, the perfect Lamb of God, and I'm saved for an eternity with God. That will close my eyes the last, I'm going to be present with the Lord. What do you say? Christ alive in you, and what does that even mean? Christ alive in you. Christians, we say stuff a lot of times. We we have these things, these church things. We say stuff all the time, but to an unbeliever or somebody who just doesn't have and, and let me say this. Let me let me interrupt myself. I want you to know there are people in the United States of America who have never heard the salvation story in the United States of America. There are people in Appalachia. There are real people in Appalachia who have never heard the name of Jesus. Believe it or not. Thank God for somebody like Dolly Parton. Say what you want about Dolly Parton. She's put her money where her mouth is. She spends millions of dollars every year putting books into the hands and and sending teachers, paying for it on her own dime, sending teachers deep into Appalachia to teach these children how to read. And one of the books that's always included in their packet is the Bible. When we say 
Now this is this is scripture. I'm going to I'm going to say it, but but it's answering that question. What does Christ alive in you even mean? When we say this, we base it on the Lord's own word. See, this is even this is even Shaul or Paul speaking. He's saying, I'm giving you the word of the Lord. His own word. We who remain alive. I can't go much further. We who remain alive, those among us who believe that there won't be suffering for Christians and followers of the way and and Jews and Messianic Jews, serious suffering before the Lord comes. I've got this verse for you. We who remain alive when the Lord comes will certainly not take precedence, precedence over those who have died. What does it say? We who remain alive when the Lord comes. When the Lord comes. Not if the Lord comes, but when. I'll say it again. Hesitant praise is no praise at all. Hesitant faith is no faith at all. How do you live? Do you live as though that verse says, if the Lord comes, we who remain, if the Lord comes, maybe he will, maybe he won't, I don't know. To us up, I don't know, Sean. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Or does the scripture say, we who remain alive when the Lord comes? Do you live like it says, maybe if, I don't know, or do you live like it says, when the Lord comes? How do you live? Do you live a life absolutely riddled with doubt about everything in your life? You guys know the people that I'm about to describe. Ready? Aim. 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 Hmm. Aim. At some point, you have to do what? You have to fire. No point in pointing the gun if you're not going to pull the trigger. There are some people, and you know them, that are so riddled with doubt about every decision. I don't know what I should do. Such a decision I have to make here. They get advice from everybody under the sun. Some good, some not so good. But they're so doubtful, they doubt even the good advice they get. They can't follow any advice because they doubt everything. They doubt everything in themselves. They doubt everything outside of themselves. They doubt people they respect, even though they respect them. You guys know somebody like that, I'm sure. Don't you? Everybody knows somebody like that. Maybe you're that person. I I doubt it. Everybody here in the room, you know, maybe, maybe not. But ultimately, it comes down to this. Do you live your life with doubt about God? I will tell you that if you live your life with doubt about God, you probably live your life with a lot of doubt about an awful lot of other things. Let me say that again. If you live your life riddled with doubt about God, you probably Live your life riddled with doubt about a whole lot of other things. Here's what it says in the scripture. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a rousing cry, with a call from one of the ruling angels, and with God's shofar, 
those who died united with the Messiah will be the first to rise. Then we who are left still alive will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. So encourage each other with these words. Why was this so strange to the church in Thessalonica? I said Corinthians before the Corinthian church, but Thessalonica. Why was this so strange? Because the Jews that were, you know, Jews in that area, in that, in that era and time, didn't believe that Yeshua was the Messiah. So they, hey, this you die, you're done. You've lived your life. You, you, you are essentially, you've lived your calling. But those who have placed their faith in Christ, it doesn't end there anymore. They have, they have a hope in heaven, just like we do. Those who died united with the Messiah. What does it mean to be united with the Messiah? It means to place your faith and be in agreement with God about his son, Yeshua. It means you are one of those people who, like Jerry from Faith said, hey, uh, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. I, I have faith. Spoke affirmatively and said, yep, I'm one of those pesky Christians. That's united with the Messiah. And, if, and we die if we're united with the Messiah. We are believers at the time of our death. We will, Then, when, when that shofar sounds, it was so cool last week. I don't know how many missed it, but uh, last week we got to hear a shofar being blown. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool. I think there's some big uh, shofar, like super, super shofar guy that's coming. Uh, I don't know. He's going to be in this area. I don't think they're called that shofar guy. I'm just making that up. But, but I think there's some, she mentioned that last week, the lady who, who blew shofar. I, I, it skipped my mind, but I'll look it up and get it out to everybody. Die united with the Messiah, you'll be the first to rise. Then we who are left still alive. No matter how rough it is, I don't get in big, long discussions, theological discussions with people. Well, how much suffering will we experience as Christians? Will we experience any at all? Right, Christians, we're skitty cats. We're like, ooh, no, I, whatever that is that gets me out of that, I don't want any parts of that suffering business. I thought that Jesus is all about love, and, and all I need to do is accept him, and I'm good. I'm no, no suffering. Well, I got a newsflash for you. It might not be that so simple. We'll find out, though, won't we? So here's the thing. We'll be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. So encourage each other with these words. You know, if you're in a situation, times are tough. Those who have ever been in the military in here and you've ever been in a tough situation, you got your brothers, you got your, your fellow soldiers, you got your sisters next to you, you got your fellow Marines, your fellow sailors, your fellow airmen. Your fellow soldiers, you got them next to you, and you and part of the power of this fraternity of being in the military service is that you can look and say, "He ain't giving up. I'm not giving up." And then if one of you falls, you say, "I'm not quitting because I'm not having him die in vain." You know, police officers. I'm, I'm saying this, having been a police officer. 
I can tell you police officers are under attack in this country. I say it on my radio show all the time. I would not want to be a police officer today in this environment. We have people on CNN describing the gunman who, one of the gunmen who put that Dallas uh, police station under attack, planted bombs and got in a gunfight, was eventually killed. She described him as brave and courageous. That's one of the reasons, one big reason why I'd, I wouldn't want to be a police officer in this country. But, you know, they talk about the thin blue line. And I know there's lots of police officers that listen to this show because I get their letters every single week. And I tell you, part of it when you're in a tough time is to look, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on you. You're not giving up on me. We're not giving up. So encourage each other with these words. Here's the thing. In in the postmodern Western Evangelical Church, what do we forget to do all the time? We forget to encourage one another. There's all kinds of fluffy messages. You turn on the television and radio right now. You could flip from this station to your listen to me. I don't recommend it, but if you want to, okay. Um, you there's tons of of shows that are feel good Christian ish messages that never talk about the tough stuff. And okay, if they're called to that, that's their calling. Bless them. Calling. I, I had to embrace and accept that that's not my calling. But the part that we forget as a, as a as in the in in the Western church, sadly is encouraging and reminding each other that we have the hope of a risen Lord. We have the hope of victory over the cross. Listen, doubt and fear are part of us because we're what? Broken. We were broken as a result of sin. And every day we battle our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and you know what else? Our doubts. Remind one another, yes, Times are hard, but you know what? God is greater. One day, when that final shofar sounds, we will be with the Lord. Never another tear, never another sorrow, never another worry, never another doubt. In, in one of my classes in First uh, and Second Corinthians, in, in uh, my, the Doctorate of Divinity uh, program, talk about in one of the papers that I talk about, all of us, all of us have doubts. All of us do. At different times in our lives, all of us have faced what seems to be insurmountable odds. Every person in this room, medical school, very difficult. Going to school every day and teaching children today, very difficult. Fighting fires that are hundreds of degrees, that would probably more than that. Husband after so many years. Chronic illnesses of of maybe not even just but a loved one, someone in your family. Personal struggles, emotional struggles, loss parent, loss of a child, cancer, dreaded diseases, all these different things. All of us have faced these horrible things 
And you know what? How would it be if we reminded each other, hey, we're going to be perfected one day. I talked about my, my class thing. Other things in it that I wrote, is it, it asks you about tongues, you know, explain the whole tongues thing. And, and I, I'm not trying to be flippant here, but I say it really doesn't matter. In the overall scheme of things, it doesn't matter. You know what? When I'm in heaven, guess what? I'm going to understand everything God has to say. You know why? Because he's going to have perfected me inside and out. It's not going to matter a hill of beans about tongues and whether this, that, and the other. I don't even, I hardly ever get in those discussions unless I have to. I hate wading into that water. I have a decision. I know what I believe and I can present that. But I don't like to spend a whole bunch of time talking about that when I could be talking about Folks, we have a very real hope in a risen Savior who in a moment, in the splitting of the sky east to west, when the lightning strikes east to west and splits the sky that quick. It's interesting how Shaul puts this. But you have no need written to you, brothers, about the times and dates when this happened because you yourselves well know that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That is an interesting combination of Hebrew idiom. The day of the Lord, what happens when the sun comes out? We have hope. The beginning of a new day, we have hope. The day is good, and, and, and but light is good work at nighttime. So he combines the goodness of day with the day of the Lord and the sketchiness of nighttime will come like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is so peaceful and secure, then destruction will suddenly come upon them. The way labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, there is no way they will escape. This is why I speak so much about the danger of Islam. This is why I refuse to be politically correct, and there is a cost to me and my family for doing that. I don't do that because I want to be controversial. I don't do that because I want to gain a list of listeners who like that sort of thing. That's not why I do it. I do it because if I believe what I say to you folks, that this is my calling, my life is my call. My life, as I am called to live it, is this, saying the hard stuff. And that is why I'm telling you the number one danger we face in this country is Islam. The Bible goes on to say, but you brothers are not in the dark so that the day, capital D, the day, should take you by surprise like a thief. For you are all people who belong to the light, who belong to the day. We don't belong to the night darkness, so let's not be asleep like the rest are. On the contrary, let us stay alert and sober. People who sleep, sleep at night. And people who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us stay sober, putting on trust and love as a breastplate, and the hope of being delivered as a helmet. The helmet is on the uppermost part of your body. It is the part that no matter what, people can see. 
you wear your, where do you wear your hope? Do you wear your hope and your belief that God can and will deliver you from whatever your need is? Or is it hidden away? It's kept in an inside pocket somewhere. God is not intended that we should experience his fury, but that we should gain deliverance through our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, who died on our behalf so that whether we're alive or dead, we may live along with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you were doing. Now, let me say, both in the church in Corinth and the church in Thessalonica, I'm telling you, they had major struggles. They had pagan influences. Uh, Judaism, uh, in its very early days, was very mystical. There was a lot of uh, really odd, now I say odd, but back then it wasn't so odd to them, odd beliefs that were very mystical and, and, and in many respects paganistic. There was a lot of pagan influence from the Greeks and all of these things. And so these things had crept into the church, and, and he's telling them, hey, you know, Y'all are jacked up, but you have a hope. And if you continue to build each other up, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Ask you, brothers, to respect those who are working hard among you, those who guide you in the Lord and confronting you in order to help you change. Let me say this about that. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who are working hard among you. Is he talking about people of the church in Thessalonica. No, he is absolutely not. He is speaking only to the behavior of the followers of the way, the believers in that church at Thessalonica, to work hard, to respect those who work hard. The fact that he said it this way, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who are working hard among you, those who are guiding you in the Lord and confronting you, in order to help you change. I talk about encouragement a lot of times, but I've had people even from this group come alongside me and say, hey, brother, you all right? You're struggling a little bit. What's up with that? Let me confront things. In love. Air knuckle punch right there. They call that a dap. I found that out. That's called a dap. I'm cool. You can put it on the blogs and all that. Pick that out. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who are working hard among you, those who are guiding you in the Lord and confront you in order to help you change. Help you change. Sometimes we don't want to change from the place we are, from the direction we're going. Sometimes we don't want to do that. Keep on going the way we are going. We don't want anybody to confront us. We don't want anybody to help us see the way we're going is wrong. help you change. Not change you. Not goad you or guilt you, but encourage you and help you change. Folks, you can't change anybody, but you can help them change. You can come alongside and grab them and say, hey, let me help you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you along. That's what we're going to do. We're going to come on. Hey, hey, I know you don't know what to do because I've got eyes I can see. You definitely don't know what to do because you've not been doing it but I'm going to help you. I'm going to come alongside. Treat them with the highest regard and love because of the work they are doing. The next one is 
I tell you, seems to be the hardest thing for for Christians in this world. Live at peace among yourselves, but we urge you, brothers, to confront those who are lazy, your aim being to help them change, to encourage the timid, to assist the weak, and to be patient with everyone. That is an extremely difficult message for the church today. Why? Because treating people, what is highest regard? How do we even define highest regard these days? There are so many people from young all the way up to old that have no regard for human life. They have no regard for decency. Use of manners was, a, was an important thing. It's not anymore. Manners doesn't seem to be important at all anymore. Treating someone with highest regard and love because of the work they're doing, respecting someone. When the President of the United States doesn't send a very high-ranking emissary from his cabinet to attend the funeral of Chris Kyle, that's a problem. But when he sends three or four people to go see a thug who had a pending murder charge on him, and Michael Brown sends people to that funeral, covers some cost, and doesn't with Chris Kyle. We have a problem in this country with regard and love because of the work they are doing. Live at peace among yourselves. What does that even look like nowadays? Live at peace among yourselves. We live in such utter turmoil. On the one hand, I love uh, the technology, the the, the uh, device in my hand, and I love cell phone, being able to contact people at any time and be contacted and help people and reach out and be reached out, ding, ding, ding. I love that. At the same time, it's it's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing because we're so hacked into this, you know, spinning world of technology. But you know what? Sometimes we don't know how to live with hope. We don't know how to live with peace because we're so spun out over the crazy stuff that's going on in our lives. We're afraid to confront those who are lazy. In this world today, I'll tell you, it drives me nuts, folks. It drives me absolutely crazy. When I see folks uh, put a drink or whatever, or a dozen eggs, we'll say, over in the in the bread section because they just don't want to take those eggs. Oh, I don't need eggs. I have five dozen at home, and they just leave them sit there. That's lazy. Remember what I used to say in the back there, young man? I said, someone says, look, what is this right here? What's this mean? And he said it, lazy. This is lazy. I can't stand a lazy person. I can't take it. And lazy is invading every part of us, while other places in the world are amping up how hard they work and how effectively they work. We're we're getting lazier. But lazy in the work of Christ, the work of the church, folks, I know a lot of lazy pastors. They they took the job of being a pastor because it's street for them. The way they do the job is easy for them. There's classes in seminaries now, not my seminary, I can tell you right now, but that class would be with a baseball bat in my seminary. But the class there are classes in most seminaries on how to manage expectations. 
of you and your family buy yourself more time as a pastor. Can't stand lazy, folks. Can't take it. And neither could Shaul. Your aim being to help them change and encourage the timid and the weak and be patient with everyone. See that no one repays evil for evil. On the contrary, always try to do good to each other, indeed to everyone. Always be joyful. Pray regularly and everything give thanks. For this is what God wants from you who are united with the Messiah, Yeshua. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Folks, we're going to stop here for this week. Because I don't want to... Uh, we're so close to getting finished, but I don't want to rush. I don't want to rush this because there is something special that I would say. But I'll tell you this: live your life. Live your life this week, meaning business. Don't live timid. No matter what it is you have to do, don't live timid. Don't live in doubt because God the Father has given us everything we need. Join us next time for Sundays with Doctor Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.